Hi, welcome to Andis Writing, a tipsy writing podcast for one of our mini episodes. Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check our website at anditswriting.com. I'm Amy Avery, writer of adult fantasy. I also self-publish under the pen name Avery Ames. And I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer. So grab a drink, pop in your earbuds, and enjoy today's episode. Hi, so today we're going to talk about multiple points of view, POVs, and when you're first brainstorming your story, how you decide how many POVs there are and who it should be. (laughs) I put this in here because I had this struggle recently. Oh, oh yeah? With what? Um, The project that is currently out on Option. It was originally, I did not know how many POVs it was. At one point it was three and then it was like six and then it was down to two and now it's down to one because that was <laughs> that was what we decided was most marketable was one and maybe here in a bit we'll get into the challenges of the difference between one point of view versus multiple point of view but yeah how do you pick yeah i find that really i find that really interesting that you try to figure that out like before you start optioning because like for me I usually make the choice of is this going to be first person is it going to be third person if it's going to be third person it's definitely not having just one perspective because I I just really struggle to write in one perspective and third person for too long I did it once (laughs) I wrote a whole book and it I was just I was bored because I couldn't get in anybody's head um it was my wishes book Oh, uh-huh. And I was I was just bored until I got to the part where it went omniscient all of a sudden because the character, you know, but but I don't think I'll ever do that again because like I really like getting into people's heads. Um, But now I'm just like, is it going to be first person? Because if it's first person, I'm still at the point where I'm like with the book I'm currently working on. It's like I am wa- I'm writing it in one perspective right now. Mm-hmm. But there are moments where I'm like, should I make it two? Whereas with third person, I know it's going to be multiple, at least mm-hmm. for me, because I just, yeah, that, you know, I love the big junky fantasy books like Game of Thrones that have like five or six, but like, I can't choose if I'm going to have three or if I'm going to have five until I start writing the book and I start meeting the characters and like figuring that stuff out. Cause like, honestly, I would struggle to know which characters are going to really fit the part of a perspective until I write a bit. So like with me, if it's third, it's automatically going to be at least two or three mm-hmm. with first the way that i've made the decision and we haven't done the episode on this yet but mm-hmm. the muddy middle of the book it's like how is that going to read just from one character's perspective is it going to be easy to get through is it going to be like is this character strong enough that this character can carry the story all by themselves do they have enough information to carry the story by themselves, you know? Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to talk about with the challenges of one perspective versus multiple, especially when you're doing, like you said, something that's more epic, something that's more intrigue, that has a lot of moving pieces and secrets. Um, It can be very, very hard to do one point of view, which is part of why I was a little hesitant to pitch this new one as one POV, but I can do it. It's less, it's harder <laughs> um, because I did run into this with my most recent one, which is one point of view, the one that's coming out in January, The Longest Autumn, is it's a single character, first person, and there's a mystery and everything that the reader knows, the character has to know. So yeah, adding multiple points of view can help make those bigger stories. It can help 
with the reader's perspective versus the character's perspective because not all the characters know everything but the reader knows what character a knows what character b knows what character c knows right so that's something to consider is how many moving pieces do you have and how do you want to convey those to the reader <laughs> exactly and you know i have a good example just for myself on like an, an on an epic fantasy perspective because the very first book i finished was an epic fantasy and mm -hmm. my first um my protagonist my main protagonist she you know it's one of those harry potter situations where you've got a character that's from the normal average world put into a world that's very fantasy like and then they're hit with all of this information all at once and she my character she did not go to wizard school but <laughs> She she might as well have because it was very different. And I found working with her, she just didn't have enough information on the new place she was in to maintain even my interest because I wanted to know more about what was going on in the outside. And I think that that's the first red flag. If you feel like you're getting bored in a perspective, your readers probably going to be bored, too, because mm -hmm. more times than not, a writer is going to get bored of their work after a reader would. Yeah. So if you're bored with it that is typically a sign that there's just, it's not that your book sucks. It's just that there's maybe not enough information coming onto the page. And that's when you invite another character in who might know some stuff. And, and for that situation in that book, I was able to give the reader all of the information the protagonist knew. And then I took more perspectives and kept like dripping in more information so that the reader could ask questions from my protagonist perspective when they were in it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just read this thing in that other chapter about this thing that the character doesn't know yet. And I can kind of see it going on in the background and Ooh, I'm intrigued like that. It's, it's kind of like that, that driver to keep you reading mm -hmm. when you have a character like that, at least for me. Yeah. What it does is it helps build tension Yeah, in the story. And that's one thing that um, there's also in, for example, romance, it's, it's not uncommon to have one point of view, but it's also very common to have, if it's a romance between two characters, then it's not uncommon to have both characters' points of view, because then you can really, like, play up the pining, and the reader knows that they're both mm -hmm. into each other, but can you just make them kiss? No. Yes. And so it creates yes. that tension, because you know that they're both, like, you're in both of their heads. And you can do kind of a similar thing with pretty much any genre. Um, you can do it in like a thriller if you've got two people that are kind of, you know, working at odds and, you know, one's moving these pieces and one's moving these pieces, you can do it. It's usually not as common in a mystery. Usually mystery is just the detective character. And I, I putting detective in quotes because it's whoever's investigating the mystery. Usually that's one because I don't know why. Um, I know why. I know why. Um, it is because... It is, from what I know, writing a an intrigue or a mystery, it is because if you have a character's perspective and you are writing it and that character knows something about what is going on and you don't want the reader to know, it is lazy writing to hide it. You know, I had a character like this, a very godlike character in that epic fantasy that I'm talking about. Every time she was on the page, she had to be in a scene um, because she knew so much. She had to be in a scene that was very mundane for her and she had to have something else on her mind so that she wouldn't think about a thing that my reader might want to know because if the character would think about that thing 
you have to make it available. And with a mystery, it's really, really hard to put the perpetrator on the page in that perspective without telling your reader that this is who did it. A, a really great book for that was a uh, fucking, oh my God. There it goes. There goes that train. It's that really big one with the the the, the um female diary male protagonist. I don't know. Wow, Gone Girl. Oh, Gone, Gone Girl. Girl. Okay. Gone Girl is a really good example of putting the perpetrator in perspective without you knowing like mm -hmm. what is going on in the book. Like it's really really cool that the way it was handled. You know. I actually have two examples. One of which I'm going to list because it's the good example and one of which I'm not going to list because it's the bad example of that while you were talking that I thought about. And one is um, it's called One of Us is Lying. It's a young adult mystery. <laughs> um, there's a murder in the first chapter and you get every character's perspective. But because the title of the book is One of Us is Lying, you're like, which of these which of these is the unreliable narrator? And so that still keeps the mystery up because you're like, okay, one of these people is not telling me the truth. I got to put it together right. from the other perspectives, which one is lying. And I'm not going to give away the answer, but it was, it, it did still <laughs> keep the tension and the mystery. But one other book that I'm like, so I'm not going to mention had multiple points of view. And there's a character who's a very major character who never got a POV. Oh no. And so the whole time you're like, this person is planning something this person's going to like betray them or has some sort of ulterior mission or something. Mm -hmm. And then when the twist came and it was like, ha ha, I've been evil all along. You're like, well, yeah, because you're the only person whose head we didn't see. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, it's really interesting that this happens in mystery a lot because mystery has a tight turnaround. If like mm -hmm. you're a person who has published a mystery successfully, you are going to publish more mysteries and your publisher is going to ask for them about every year. And the thing about this is, is it does take time if you're going to like do multiple perspectives and put the perpetrator's perspective in there. Um, it takes time to figure that out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those books are harder to write in a year. The big epic fantasy that I wrote, it took me three or four years to figure out how to, to manage it, um, the intrigue and stuff while putting the bad guys in perspective without my reader knowing who the bad guys were. It was very difficult. I wouldn't recommend it on, <laughs> on a time schedule. You know, like if you are on a deadline or even a personal deadline, a publisher deadline, and you have a situation like this, keep your mystery like one perspective because it is it is easier. It's absolutely easier. That's not to say this is the same with every genre, but I did notice that with with that kind of stuff, it's mm -hmm. easier. With and you mentioned, you know, doing the epic fantasy with the multiple points of view. Um, this is another good question to kind of touch on as we come up on the last arc of our our podcast episode is if you have something like an epic fantasy and you've got a scene and you've got a big cast of characters and this scene has like five of your main characters in it, for example, how do you decide whose head you're in for that scene? If they're all POV characters, I go with the one who's got the most information for the reader at the time. That's going to keep them turning pages. Honestly, mm -hmm. like if that character is up to the, 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 the exciting thing, put that one on the page. Don't oh, yeah, I get so mad <laughs> when the fucking writer blocks me out of the good shit. Like, oh, uh, you know, I think I, that was a long time ago when we first met, when you were still writing Conviare, mm -hmm. You kept taking me away from the sex scenes. And I was like, no, stop showing me that other per I want to know. Like, that one was a lot of one perspective. And you kept mentioning characters doing things off screen. And I was like, can you please just give me, like, 
a chapter like that shows this thing happening because I really want to see it. Um, you don't want your reader being mad at you for not letting you see something. Mm-hmm. So if you've got that perspective and you can show it, do it because I hate that. <laughs> it's the worst. For me, the part of the way I pick whoever's head I'm in is also whoever has the biggest conflict in the scene. So if you've got somebody mm-hmm. who's got some inner conflict or is trying to make a big decision or something that can be a way to pick it too because that for the same reason it adds to the tension and the page turniness yep because a lot of times that conflict can be the most interesting thing going on and that's like that is your sign right before we wrap up i did want to say just one thing about first person Uh since i know we didn't touch on it just real quick i know you just wrote a first person and i'd love to hear your two cents on it if you have a a different Mm -hmm. um but i just wrote a first person present as well that's the one that's on sub and the way that i made that decision about you know one or more perspectives for first person because people are doing multiple first person Mm -hmm. perspectives now a lot more my thing was is i couldn't have the reader know what was wrong with the character and the the character was an unreliable narrator he didn't know what was going on with him and had i shown anybody else's perspective the reader would have been like ah well that's what's wrong with him and i'm not interested anymore you know like it 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 left an air of like mystery that i really liked having only him because he was the only one that that knew what he saw nobody else saw what he saw Mm -hmm. um and that would have ruined the book had I like through somebody else's perspective in, um, but the world building was awesome. And I was, there's so many times I was like, oh man, I just want to show more of the world, but I couldn't cause I couldn't leave that perspective. And I think that that's what you have to consider, you know, and, and can the character carry the story all by themselves? Is the voice strong enough? Yeah. I think that's why first person voices always have to be really strong because this whole book. Yeah. That actually segues <laughs> into the last thing I wanted to mention about first person, multiple point of view. One thing that's very important is to keep your, especially if you have third person POV and you're switching characters, there's kind of like an unspoken agreement between the reader and the author that there's kind of like a narrator, even if they're not like a real narrator that like the story's being told to you, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, whereas if it's first person, you're in that character's head. So if you have multi POV first person, those characters better sound different. Yep. And I just pulled it off my shelf to make sure that it was first person if I was correct. But the what the book that I always use for like voice between characters is Spinning Silver. Mm-hmm. Because it's all first person and you don't always get a clue at the very beginning. Like you don't get a character's name or whatever that tells you whose perspective you're in. It's all in the voice. Yep. Each character has a different way they speak, a different way they think. And so within, but I mean, yeah. within a sentence, you know which characters ahead you're in. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's when I tell people to study for voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, you really gotta. Um, the people who can pull it off really—it's it, hard. It's, it's hard. very hard. It's hard, guys. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, I would—you know—this is really dumb because this book is really hard to get through. But real quick, if you're you're gonna <laughs> do it, if you're gonna do a, a first-person um, multiple perspective, just please take it two hours and 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 rip through as I lay dying as fast as you can because it is the most tremendous lesson in what different perspectives look like, and you. It's an easy read. You can just rip through it. Um, you don't even have to read all of it because some of it's terrible. <laughs> but but seriously, like like just look at it. It's it's uh even just flipping through it, the, even the paragraphs look different. Really great quick lesson in writing multiple perspectives in first person. And that's all I've got. <laughs>
I was going to say, I think that's about all I have to say about the topic, too. All right, guys. Bye. Well, that's all we got for this one. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Every other Friday, you can also join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule, check out our website at anditswriting.com. And a reminder that if you heard anything in the episode that interested you, please check out the show notes for links and information.